In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Only 10% of evangelical churches in the United States have an organized men's ministry of any kind. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is for you to become your best by calling you in to the arena of manhood, calling you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and calling you up to your absolute best version of you. Because when you get it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with our producer, co-host, and my good friend, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing awesome. Hey, I, I'm excited about uh, today's guest, and here's why I'm excited, man. Because this guy not only understands men on a local, national level, but he literally works with men on a global level. His material has been translated into like nine languages around the world, and this guy's been doing this uh, with for decades with different ministries, and I'm really excited about this guy. You're going to have a great uh, time, and our listeners are going to be really, really blessed and excited about this guy today. But before we get into our interview, do you have a man word? I do. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to guess that it is, well, hmm. I, I, you know what? I'm just going to say I don't know. Really? I'm stumped. Oh, my gosh. I, I was going to say global, but global's not a man word. Warrior? Pick, yeah. You can't do it. You've already done warrior. No? Yes. I have? You did when we had oh, a okay. Michael Thompson on. All right. I have a different Kingdom. word. Oh, you just made it up? No, I didn't. I had a backup. <laughs> Go ahead. What is it, man? <laughs> Succeed. <laughs> I think you've done that one. No, I haven't. Do you have a I've... checklist? Can you prove it? Oh, do you have a checklist? Oh my goodness. No, you would have a checklist and it'd be out. So succeed. Why yeah. is succeed a man word? It is important to strive for success to succeed. And uh I think sometimes it, I th- I've said this before, don't let life just happen to you, but plan to succeed. Yeah, I'm just processing that a little bit cuz I wonder if the word succeed as a man word. I understand that men are driven by that, but is that really I, I can a hear biblical the principle? I can hear the pushback on that. Yeah. Is that like success isn't everything? Uh, how you strive for that is that numbers, is that money? Um and I think it looks different for everyone. And so I would hope that if I say, "Hey man, I think you're succeeding in what you're doing right now uh in your ministry or your job or whatever." That looks different for everybody. You might say, well, I'm not making 150000 a year. Um, I don't have uh, 10,000 people downloading every day for my podcast. What does success look like? It's different for everybody. But to not try for success 
and um, for greatness uh, is to not plan okay. for anything. Okay, I understand now. I, why men are wired to win, to conquer, right. to 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 get to the end of the project, and so in that in that sense, I understand success. I get nervous. Yourself. When we hear this financial success thing, is I think that tears men down more than it pulls them up. Right. And I just, I don't know Out a lot of, of guys that are financially successful that are really, really serving God passionately. I think the money just changes things because we have so many things we got to worry about now with our money. I think you can be financially <clears throat> successful and not have a massive amount of wealth. Yeah, and I think wealth is not about money. It's about people. So I think right. you and I are on the same page there. But, hey, do you have any uh, shout-outs today to review oh, I do. on iTunes? Yes. Ty uh, Ty, I believe. is Ty Ty? Yes. Ty Ty. Ty Ty 41692. If that is you, shoot me a message. Go to our, our uh, Men in the Arena uh, Facebook page, or you can go to the meninthearena.org and shoot me a con- – hit the contact there. And I want to send you some swag, but – uh, he thinks that we're incredibly authentic and passionate uh, in our resources. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, and if you guys keep sending us those uh, iTunes reviews, we will definitely uh, draw your names out and shoot you some swag. So thanks so much for that, and, and we do have a passion for what we're doing, as does the guy I'm going to bring on right now, my guest, new friend, Lonnie Berger. Uh, Lonnie is 62 years old. He lives in Apex, North Carolina. What a cool name for a city, Apex. Uh, he's been married to his wife, June, since 1984. Lonnie is the global director for Trans World Radio Men's Ministry and the author of a three-book series called Every Man a Warrior, a man's ministry discipleship cur- curriculum that has sold more than 100,000 books in 26 countries and has been translated into nine languages. So before coming to Trans World Radio, Lonnie served with the Navigators for 40 years. Lonnie's passion is to help men love God, succeed in life, and multiply spiritually. This guy has a global perspective, and I'm really excited to bring him on to, on tonight on today, my new friend, Lonnie Berger. Lonnie, how are you doing, sir? Jim, I'm so happy to be with you, and thank you so much. It's always a privilege to talk to men, and as you've already mentioned, the word warrior and success, this is in our title, Every Man a Warrior, Helping Men Succeed in Life. And no man wants to be a failure. And so the whole purpose of this curriculum, Every Man a Warrior, was to help men begin to succeed in life. And I, I found that in my own life, no one taught me how to succeed. And so when hard things happen, I just didn't know what to do. And I think most men feel that. That's why your podcast and other men's ministries like this are so important, because men are looking for answers. No man wants to fail in life. And yet, as you will, uh, we'll talk about just a little bit, a lot of Christian men are failing. Yep. For every 10 men in the church, nine will have children that leave the church. Eight will not be satisfied with their work. Six can only pay the monthly minimums on their credit card. Somewhere between five and seven have a relationship with pornography, and four will get divorced. And these are the Christian men. And uh, we have got to do a better job of helping our men learn how to walk with God and succeed in life. And that's the whole purpose of Every Man a Warrior, and that's why I'm glad to be with you today. Well, you know, it's interesting. The statistics you gave are pretty much the same outside as inside the church. <laughs> and so that's the tragedy. Like, why isn't Jesus transforming men? Or a better question is, why aren't men allowing Jesus to transform them? So it's really— it's, Well, I think you got it right, Jim. Yeah. Why aren't men doing better and— it's my perspective that no one has ever taught them how. Agreed. I went to um, 
oh, I've been to 100 men's conferences. And I've had speakers, and I did this myself in my early career as a, as a ministry. I would challenge men to be a better husband, to be a better father. But I would send them home saying, well, what do I do next? And I, uh, I have, when we have a conference now, we have a rule. I want men to go home and to know what to do on Monday morning after the conference. Mm-hmm. If a man goes home and he's been challenged to be a better man, but he didn't know what to do on Monday morning, then I've been a failure. In fact, I've set him up for failure. And so once again, that is the whole purpose of our ministry, Every Man a Warrior, to give men the skills necessary to know how to walk with God, to know how to love their wife, to know how to spend time with their children and train and develop them, to know how to manage money and fight to stay morally pure. But I don't believe that men are being trained in these things. And I don't want to be critical of the church. I love the church and I love pastors. But I did church consulting for five years, and then when I asked pastors about this, they would honestly tell me, Lonnie, we never had a class in seminary on men's ministry. I really don't know what to do with men except to teach them theology. Mm. Well, the reality is theology is not where they're hurting. They're hurting in money, marriage, raising children, sex, work, and going through hard times. Yeah. And that's where we got to help men. Yeah, that's that's really good. And and I did a survey. So we have a mutual friend, Brian Doyle, who's the president and founder of Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Conferences. And, and uh, he and I were talking about uh, what percentage of dollars does the local church budget for men? And we did a survey, and our survey, just an informal survey, we found out it was one-tenth of one percent. From the guys on our thousands of guys, we budget we we've uh, we requested information from our our social media page, uh, men in the arena. That's right, Jim. And, and it's he, a it's a sad de- de- reality that in most churches they have a huge women's ministry and a huge children's ministry, but the men's ministry is really lacking. In fact, only ten percent of evangelical churches in the United States have an organized men's ministry of any kind. Wow. And so that's where the Every Man a Warrior curriculum comes comes in. We want to give churches the ability to know how to disciple men to succeed in life because most churches really don't have a men's ministry. Now, many of them have a quarterly breakfast where they'll have a speaker come in. And, uh, and yet, you know, from one quarter to the next, the speakers aren't connected. There's no real end result trying to be produced. There's no target that we're trying to do. We're just trying to get men together and, you know, we kind of get together and have breakfast, have coffee. But I think the Lord wants us to build men. And Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says that the purpose of church leaders was to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, uh, we're not doing that very well. And that's why we're not equipping men to succeed in life. And therefore, they're doing no better than the rest of the world. The Bible actually has answers for each of these questions. Money, marriage, raising children. Yeah. There's over 2,000 references in the Bible just on money and hundreds on the issue of marriage. So we can help men actually learn how to succeed in these most pri- these highest priorities in their life. Well, I love what you're saying, that we need to give men uh, tools or application. You know, one of the things we started doing on this podcast, Lonnie, is after every podcast, we have a boots on the ground moment or an action item. We say, hey, guys, here is your action item from this podcast. And actually, we're going to have men memorize your marriage commitment card. 
Uh, oh, that'll be wonderful. the action item after this after this interview. And so, hey, Lonnie, we're going to get the juices flowing here. We probably don't need to, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to throw you into what we call our rapid fire round. Are you ready okay. for this? <clears throat> I am. Okay, and this is I, – I made up a new one for you. I don't know why. This just popped in my head. I'm calling it the great expectations round. And so I'm going to ask you five quotes, five questions about greatness, and I want you to uh, just give me your thoughts. So besides using the Bible, what is the greatest book or quote that you've ever read or heard? Well, the greatest book that has influenced my life the most is called uh, Spiritual Leadership by Henry Blackaby. And uh, the reason I love that book is because he puts such a strong focus that leadership really emanates out of your deep relationship with God. And when a man doesn't get his walk with God strong, he never could be the kind of leader that God would want him to be. Now, you can have organizational meetings, you can have plans, but uh, cursed is the man who works a plan, but the plan is not of the Lord. That verse scares me. And so uh, I don't want to do that. And uh, Henry Blackaby makes it very clear that a man's intimacy with Christ, his walk with the Lord, is where he discovers what God's plan is for him and how he wants to use that man's life. Spiritual Leadership by Henry Blackaby. You know, it's really interesting. I was reading a book recently, and I can't... Oh, it was your book. It was your book. I was reading your book, and in your book, you said... I can't remember which one of the three, but you said that there was a survey... <clears throat> or a conference with 200 fallen pastors, and they said yes. that the the reason that they fell was lack of accountability, and they stopped reading the Bible. That was your book, right? Yep, that is. <laughs> That's in uh, book one, yeah. lesson three, why men fail. Why men fail? Well, why are men failing in their walk with God? And the first reason is no one ever taught them how to do it. And uh, when we challenge men to be a better man or to be a man who walks with God deeply, we really set them up for failure unless we show them how. And so that's the very first thing we do in Every Man of Warriors to show men how to spend time alone in the word and prayer and do it in a way where it's actually fun to do and you begin to hear God's voice. And it's it, we start men out at 15 minutes and uh, it usually grows from there. But the second reason is they don't have any accountability in their life. And so if a Christian man, especially is in leadership, the enemy wants to take him out. And we, you know, we have these horrible stories all the time of Christian leaders, pastors who have fallen into some kind of sexual sin or so on. And then the third reason is, is Satan really is fighting against us. We have an enemy. And if we don't keep our walks with God strong and have accountability, we're really vulnerable. The enemy can take us out. But you're right. We need uh, we need people to hold us accountable. Well, you know, it's really interesting, Lonnie, and I, I try to be really open on this podcast because our guys don't need fluff. They need the dirty, grimy, messy reality of life. Yep. I had a conversation with my wife just a couple days ago. I said, honey, she's a flight attendant, so she's gone a lot, so I'm home alone a lot. Uh, all of my devices have covenant eyes on them because before I was a Christian, I struggled with lust and lust Good. issues. And I said, hey, You're honey, normal. I said, honey, is your computer and your iPad password protected from me? She said, well, yeah. And I said, okay, great. So the next day I got up, I went to her iPad. I realized it wasn't password protected. So I said, sweetie, uh -huh. you know, God is doing some great things in this ministry, and I'm afraid of who, what I'm capable of. And I noticed your iPad does not have a password. I need you to password protect that from your husband, to protect your man, honey. She's like, what? Are you serious? I go, yes. So she did it. 
And that's what I'm saying is that we need to we need to apply these lessons to our life, not just theorize them. You know what I'm saying? And so this is really good. So, hey, Lonnie, what's the greatest lesson you've ever learned in life? Well, I think the greatest lesson, a spiritual lesson, comes from John 12, 24 and 25. It says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it uh, remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And men, for you and I to have successful marriages, for you and I to have success with our children, for you and I to have our life count for something that will last for eternity, we first have to come to grips that we have to die to our own personal selfishness. And the, the, the lie of the enemy is that if you do that, then you're not going to have fun when it's actually just the, the opposite. When you die to yourself, the Lord will give you a better marriage. When you die to yourself, the Lord will teach you how to have more joy with your children. And when you start, you know, investing your money in the kingdom of God, normally the Lord actually rewards you for that. So uh, probably the biggest lesson spiritually is that uh, if you really want to be a man who has a fruitful life, a joy-filled life, die to your selfishness, die to yourself, give yourself to something bigger than what you are, than what you live for. Give yourself to your wife, your kids, and your God, and he'll do something fantastic with your life. It's really that simple. I mean, you talk about men don't like theology, and I agree with you. And I tell guys, man, my faith is simple. It's so simple. Uh, God loves me. God created me. God wants to have relations with me. And God has a plan for me. How can yes. I ever walk in the best version of the man that God created me to be without radical devotion to the God who created me? It's so yep. simple to me. And and you hit the nail on the head, Lonnie. It's about surrender. I mean, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have zoe, you may have life to the fullest. And that fullness of life comes from dying to ourself. It really does. And then knowing God... If you, after you die to self, like for instance, I'm going to die to self and get 15 minutes with the Lord every morning, and it'll probably grow from there. But when you die to yourself on that one, that's the first one. See, yeah. Matthew 6:33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these other things will be given to you. When you die to self on that first one, then God can begin to reveal himself to you. He begin to show you the plan he has for your life. He can be begin to lead, guide, and direct you. And he can just keep you from a lot of mistakes that we would make when we're not really following God or listening to his voice. Yeah, it's so good, man. Hey, so what's the greatest thing you know about men? Well, I think um, you've already touched on it, that God designed us to be builders, or God designed you to do something with your life. And I really believe it's tied to the Great Commission. When Jesus said, go make disciples who make disciples, what he's really saying is, man, I want to use you to influence another man. Mm -hmm. I want to have your life have an impact on other men. Now, many times we start with our children and grandchildren, of course, but God really wants to use your life to save a marriage, to cause another man to be kept safe from making the stupid mistakes that you and I made when we were younger yeah. and we didn't have anyone mentor us. The reason every man of warrior has grown so much, we've sold 100,000 books in the first seven years, is so many men told me this. Why didn't someone tell me this stuff 20 and 30 years ago before I made so many mistakes? 
And once men get equipped to have this kind of impact, this kind of biblical truth in their life so that they can succeed, you know what they want to do? It's in their God-given design. They want to go share it with another man. Mm -hmm. And when you start sharing it with other men, pretty soon you can save a marriage. Pretty soon you can help another man get reconnected with his children. Pretty soon you can help a man not make a stupid financial decision or have a, you know, go, go off sexually and yeah. commit adultery and you protect other men, you help them. And pretty soon you realize you get to co-labor with the God of the universe who has a plan to use your life. Oh, that's good, man. Thank you so much. What's the greatest advice you would give to a man? You might have well, I think we've it. already covered that. Yeah, I, think, I so. think we got to deal with your selfishness first and know that God wants to use your life. I think the other one is probably Matthew 6:33. Give him first place in your life. Once you start doing that, then Jeremiah 29:11 becomes real. For I know the plans I have for you, Jim, Lonnie, Dale. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future, plans to give you hope. And once you start putting God first in your life, those kind of things begin to happen. So I think that might be the greatest thing that I would encourage men to do is go put God first in your life. Well, and you know what's funny is we we always forget Jeremiah 29, 13. If you seek me with all of your heart, I will let you find me. It's a yes. it's God is saying, pursue me. I'm not this desperate God, but if you pursue me, I'll let you find me. But I think sometimes we market Jesus as this desperate guy begging for us on the cross, and uh, he's the God of the universe. Yeah, that's right. In fact, God is always a gentleman. He doesn't force any man to follow him. Yeah. In fact, he's got this free gift of salvation, and he says, you know what? Here I am. I died on the cross for you. It's a free gift. If you want to have eternal life, you want to have a relationship with me, here's the free gift. All I ask is that you just accept it. Yeah. You just say, God, I want you in my life. You get to choose. God doesn't force himself on anyone. Well, hey, Lonnie, what would you, so what would you, what kind of advice would you give to a guy who just got married? What would you offer as far as marriage advice? Well, I think we're, we're touching on it. First of all, I think um, for a man to be able to deal with his selfishness, He's got to go walk with God. When you and I walk with God, God begins to carve off some of those places in our life where woundedness or baggage from our past will overflow into our marriage. And, you know, you can't go and uh, dump your baggage on your wife. And you don't want to dump it on your children either. But most men do. Uh, the sins of the father get passed on to the third and fourth generation. Yeah. So if your dad was an angry man, or an alcoholic, you might have come to Christ, but guess what? Until you've really gone deep with God, you're probably an angry man yet. In fact, that's your default mode. We have a story about that in Every Man a Warrior, a man who said, I'm doing so much better with my kids than my dad with me. Well, that was true. His dad used to beat him. His dad was an alcoholic. His dad was a rageaholic. He's not doing any of that. But you know what? He still didn't know how to speak kindly to his kids. Mm. He didn't know how to invest, speak words of encouragement into them. He still had an anger problem. Um, he still was very demanding. He didn't know that. So anyway, as he began to go deep with God, God began to carve off some of those areas of woundedness from his life. So he didn't pass that on into his wife and to his children. So anyway, I think uh, go to God and uh, help God, allow God to deal with the issues in your life. 
that keep you from becoming the man, the husband, the father God wants you to be, that would probably be my number one advice to a man who's just gotten married. Um, as I've said before, uh, we've had just literally dozens, probably hundreds of men come to me in the middle of every man a warrior and say, why didn't someone tell me this 20 years ago before I made so many mistakes, before I ruined my first marriage, before I scarred my kids? And so I think the other thing I would tell men is go get the training you need to be the man, the husband, and father God wants you to be. And of course, that's the purpose of Every Man a Warrior. I'd encourage them to go and get a copy of Every Man a Warrior and start a group in their church or just one or two other guys if they could do that to get the training they need to become the man, the husband, the father God wants them to be. Well, you know, it's interesting, Lonnie. What we, we have a three-tier uh, approach to our ministry and so the second level is we tell men, invest in yourself. Make the investment in yourself. Buy the resources. Uh, we, of course, are saying buy our resources. But as you know, I'm already promoting yours through the podcast. And I've already given your books. I'm giving your books to some guys. You know, So I don't care. If they don't resonate with my resources, I don't care. I want them to invest in their lives. because. But I, I know that not every guy will get or relate to every resource. So invest in yourself, guy. It's You're worth it. Your family desperately needs you. Hey, so so Lonnie, why don't we stop a little bit? And I haven't uh, asked you to do this yet, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, personal life, hobbies, things you enjoy. Let our listeners get to know you a little better. Well, thank you, uh, Jim. Uh, came to Christ at a young age, 19 years old. I was in college, my freshman in college, and uh, immediately met the Navigators and uh, so here I am, a brand new baby Christian, and within a week, they taught me how to memorize the Word, how to spend time in the Word, uh, how to pray, and within a year, they even taught me how to share my faith. And so uh, I was 19 years old and already starting to spend time with Jesus on a regular basis in the Word and prayer. Uh, then I joined the Navigator staff when I was 24 years old, and my very first assignment was to be an undercover missionary in communist Romania. I snuck into communist Romania as a student in 1980 and uh, lived there for three years and uh, was supposedly studying socialistic agriculture. I was a farm boy and I had got my degree in animal science, but I used that as a cover to travel around the country. And we were starting Bible studies uh, in several major cities. And of course, then uh, 1989, the Iron Curtain came down and and, of course, uh, Christianity has really taken off in Eastern Europe after that. Um, then um, I came back to the United States, got married. My wife, June, and I had two daughters, and, and I was involved in uh, community ministry. Uh, right away, I had a crisis of faith. 1988, my life changed forever because I'd gone to a year of seminary, and in, at this Bible school, I was taught, Lonnie, if you teach right theology to men, men will grow, their lives will change. So I was preaching my heart out, teaching the book of Romans and Galatians, and I realized that most men really weren't that uh, excited about this. One day I said, uh, man, I, uh, I pray for you, so could you just tell me what's going on in your life? We never even got to the Bible study. <laughs> they told me how their marriages were hurting, their kids weren't doing well, money was tight, work was awful. And some of them had already come to me and said, Lonnie, you know, I, you know, when my marriage isn't doing well, I go look at porn. And uh, the crisis of faith that happened that day 
was I realized my Bible study did not address any of those issues. Mm. And I said, man, I don't want to give my life to this. I'm teaching stuff to men that they are not applying and it doesn't even, it doesn't help them. That's not where they live. So I went home that day and I basically started crying out to God, God, would you give us a new Bible study, something that's relevant, something that would help men succeed in life, something they really want to do? And I prayed that for 20 years. I had different jobs with the uh, the Navigators. I was a national director for community ministry. I taught long-range financial planning. But I continued to pray this. And in uh, May the 2nd, 2009, I'm out on my prayer walk, and I prayed that prayer. Lord, would you hurry up and get someone to write a good Bible study on that would really help men succeed in life. <laughs> well, the Lord spoke to me and said, yeah, the time is right, and I want you to do it. <laughs> and I uh, I know I was I was caught, I was flabbergasted. I wondered, did I hear that right? Well, in reality, I'd been thinking about it for 20 years. And the next week, I prayed with my pastor about it, and I canceled all my meetings that week, and I went and God just began to give it to me. Now, I'd been thinking about it, but then I wrote it that year. We field tested it for two years, and Every Man a Warrior came out in uh, 2011 after two years of field testing with uh, more than 500 men. The funny thing was I went to a Christian publisher, and I said, I've got this Bible study for men. It's Men really like it. We've had 500 men go through it, and they looked at it, and they said, well, Lonnie, we're really sorry to inform you, but our research shows that <laughs> men don't do Bible studies. Women do Bible studies, and uh, we think that you will only sell 500 to 1,000 copies a year. Well, seven years go by. We've sold 100,000 books. And so what we discovered is that men will do Bible study if it's relevant to their life. And since the Every Man a Warrior curriculum is about walking with God, marriage and raising children, money, sex, work, going through hard times, how to make your life count as a Christian man. We found that men really do want to do that. No man wants to be a failure. They're really looking for resources that will help them to succeed in life. And so there's a synopsis of where I've been for the last 40 years. Well, you know, it's interesting, Lonnie. So I did go through all three books. I read them cover to cover, and I <clears throat> I was intrigued that they weren't as much Bible studies as I thought. They were more application. But then after talking to you, you're saying these guys need application. So now I see the beauty of how you wove the Bible studies. They all were about either how to study the Bible or they were a Bible study. But you did spend a lot of time in those in each lesson on application in your life. And I think that's a really cool element of your work. Yeah, James, uh, one of the things that we have to face in the body of Christ is that um, James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Yep. And uh, until we apply the scripture, we can't receive the success that God promises. So uh, one of the problems we have in America is that most of what we do is in a preaching format, and I preach all the time. I do men's conferences and so on. But we only remember 5% of what we hear in a lecture format. And in reality, most of us forget it by the time we've gone home yep. and we've watched the first quarter of football. So we are trying to train men and women to be godly, to apply the scripture. And in reality, it's not working very well. And that's why we're getting the results we're currently getting with you know, for every 10 men in the church, 
not, they have the same results for their kids and for marriage and porn and everything else as yep. the rest of the world. So we've got to change that. And every man a warrior gives men skills to apply the word, skills to know their wife's love language, skills on how to spend one-on-one -on -one time with their children, uh, the skills on how to do a budget and get out of debt. But it's all based upon biblical principles. So you are going to memorize some key, key verses on money, marriage, raising children, sex, work, and going through our times. But our objective is to let you learn the skills on how to put those into practice. And that's where every man of warrior, I think, has been different from most curriculums. Yeah, I agree 100%. My first uh, set of books, we did not do that. And it, they were Bible studies and helpful, great. The second series of books I'm writing, we always have a boots-on-the-ground assignment at the end of it. Hey, here's your assignment for the week. Our podcast is the same way because guys are doers. Guys say, what's next? How do I apply this? And we, it's not that we're not deep or, or aren't knowledgeable as men. We just are focused and we want to get to the point and we want to know what to do next. Give me the steps. And so that's why theology, in my opinion, falls short because people say, wait, I got Jesus right. Now how do I live this thing out? You know, and so yeah. that's good. Well, hey, one of the things that we say, Lonnie, uh, with our organization here is when a man gets it, everyone wins. That's our mantra. But you said, the, and I'm going to quote you here, you said the key to effective men's ministry is to help men win the battles they fight every day. Help them succeed in life. The truth is if we want to change a culture for Christ, we must get to the men. So you said essentially what we say. Will you embellish? Well, Jim, I actually agree with you, and I think <laughs> when when men walk with God, God leads them to these same conclusions. Um, one of the reasons every man a warrior has done so well, uh, when this Christian publisher said, well, Lonnie, it'll never sell. You'll sell 500 to 1,000 books a year. Well, the first year we sold 6,500 books. The second year was 17,000 books. So we'd sold about 24,000, 25,000 books in the first two years. And I went and got a half day with the Lord. And the Lord clearly spoke with me, and he said, Lonnie, the growth of every man of warriors, not because of you, but because millions of Christian women have been begging me for decades. God, please help the men. Help them be better husbands, better fathers, and the spiritual leaders of the home. The women knew this, that we cannot change a culture, we cannot change a family, we cannot change a neighborhood for Christ unless the men step up and become the men God wants them to be. Yeah. So there are churches where you have godly, godly women that are forced to be in leadership because there's no men who have ever been able to be trained to be in leadership. So let's switch this around. My whole life objective now is to equip men to learn how to walk with God, love their wife, train their children, manage money, fight to stay morally pure, and then know how to invest in another man. So, um, we're giving these men skills to do each one of those things in the Every Man a Warrior curriculum. But you're right. If we're going to change a culture for Christ, we've got to get them in. And then I think we've got to use effective training methods. And that's why, uh, while I do a lot of men's conferences, uh, I don't believe it's the best long-term solution to changing a man. I think he's got to get in a group with other men where they study the Scripture, they put it into practice, they hold each other accountable then to develop the skills necessary to apply the word to their daily life. And so for one of the things we do is we teach men how to have one-on-one -on -one time with their children. And for seven weeks, 
they come back and they report to the group. I took one of my children out for one hour and I did the criteria, make it safe, learn to ask questions, shut up and listen, make it mostly <laughs> about the child. I prayed with him and I tried to speak a building block of truth into that child's life. And so when men do that for seven weeks and they're reporting back to the group and they're learning from one another, you know, iron sharpens iron, iron is one man sharpens another. Yep. So they're learning about how to be a better father. So anyway, that's our premise here on how we actually build the skills necessary for a man to begin to succeed in some of these areas that he faces every day. I really love the application of your ministry. We're going to take a short break and hear from the sponsor of the Men in the Arena podcast, and we'll be right back at you. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help men become their best version and change their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts, and every man in the arena matters. Our closed Facebook forum for men, appropriately called Men in the Arena, is a great way for you to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Hey, because of my passion to see men get out of the bleachers into the arena, I want to offer a free resource to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email. We'll send you a PDF copy of the field guide. This is my 365-day bathroom book for men. It's a study of manly words in the Bible illustrated with great stories. This is a great resource for all of our arena men. Guys, you're going to love this book. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those in the anonymous bleachers pleading for you to get in the arena today? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So one of the things I want to talk about, Lonnie, and you've given me permission to ask this question, is one of the action items that you have for your men is the marriage commitment. And the marriage commitment is on in book two, and it's on page 37. And here is the marriage commitment that you want men to memorize and recite. It is my privilege to show my love for Jesus by caring for my wife, to love her, show her honor, try to understand her, and to give her my life and rights for her, give up my life and rights for her. And, you know, a lot of times, guys, you know, Lonnie, we bring guys like you on the show or or Dale and I are, are, are podcasting and people think, oh, their life must be perfect. These guys have it figured out. Man, this guy's an expert. But your story really was forged in the fire of pain and uh, and uh, something that you were not expecting. You talk about hard times and you've learned some stuff about marriage through hard times. You want to explain some of that? Yeah, Jim, um, my wife and I were both undercover missionaries in communist Romania. She lived uh, in Romania as well. Uh, we were both single at the time, but we were in the same city and were laboring. There was four of us that had snuck into Romania and, and were doing this. So we got married after uh, that time. We had two children, and I thought we were going to have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful life together. In 1991, in my quiet time, the Lord spoke to me and said, Lonnie, you're going to go through testing. And I had no idea what that meant. We had two small children. I was probably as happy as I'd ever been. But four months later, my wife had a flashback. Uh, we'd gotten a video from her parents where she was watching home movies. And in these home movies, she saw herself as a little girl. And there was also pictures of grandpa. And uh, she had a seizure, basically, and uh, uh, basically had a flashback of grandpa uh, dragging her into the basement and abusing her. Oh, and I won't go into any more details, but that happened for about seven years in her life. 
And once she began to remember that she had been abused, we just, we went into, we went into hell. Um, mm. uh, there was so much anger, rage, hurt coming out of her that, that of course, uh, uh, our marriage really fell apart. Uh, of course, we got into counseling. She was in counseling two and three times a week. But um, she went through something horrible, and she was never able to recover from that. So all of a sudden, my perfect life went into a situation where I'm really, I have no marriage, and now I'm a single dad because my wife isn't functioning, and there's a tremendous amount of uh, turmoil going on in the family because my wife is remembering mm. her abuse. And so uh, we were in counseling and so on. So in the midst of this, um, I had to go deep with God to survive. Yeah. And uh, if I hadn't gone deep with God, if I had not already developed my relationship with God, I think I would have fallen away from God. Mm. But I'd already walked with God for about 10 or 15 years, I guess, from 1975 to 1991. It'd be about 15 years there. So anyway, um, I just went deep with God. My prayer walks went from 20 minutes to an hour, and then it grew from there. And I just pour my heart out to God. In the midst of this, as I was reading the word on what to do with my broken marriage, I would wrestle with the scripture. And I began to memorize the verses like Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. Or 1 Peter 3.7 where it says, Husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way and treat her with honor. And I began to realize the Lord was giving me an assignment. He wanted me to give up my life for my wife. He wanted mm -hmm. me to understand the deep pain that she was going through and still be able to treat her with honor. And so the marriage commitment came out of that, that men, I know that a lot of men are married to deeply wounded wives. With the way pornography has come out in our culture, a lot of women have been abused. Uh 40% of women have either experienced date raped or some form of abuse. And a lot of men are married to deeply wounded wives. A lot of men are wounded too. Yeah. But in this situation, the Lord began to show me that he wanted me to express my love for God by obeying the scripture. So it is my privilege to show my love for Jesus by caring for my wife. In my situation, caring for my deeply wounded wife. And to continue to love her, uh, try to understand her, um, be kind to her, even if, you know, it's hard when uh, women who have been deeply wounded usually have a lot of anger. And uh, when they do, they take that anger out on those close to them. But anyway, it is my privilege to show my love for Jesus by caring for my wife, to love her, show her honor, try to understand her, and to give up my life and rights for her. And so we continue to... Uh, to live that out for 22 years, but ultimately because she wasn't able to uh, get through her abuse, she decided to leave the marriage five years ago. And so we've been separated uh, since 2011. Now on the other side of the coin, my children were watching all of this mm. and they grew up and they decided to follow the Lord. And so uh, my children are married and have grandchildren now. And so, they're walking with God, I think, because, man, whenever you go to God and do what's right, the Lord pours out more grace on your children. 
And it doesn't mean that we can fix our wives. Sometimes our wives just choose not to go through the healing process. And I think we need to be kind to our wives. Uh, a woman who's been raped and molested as a child, that is so devastating. I don't think any of us can really understand the damage that was done to them. So let's be, if we're going to err, let's err on the side of compassion. But I found that my children ended up following the Lord, I think because they saw dad walk with God in the midst of that hard, hard trial that the Lord took us through. Is your wife uh, functioning on her own right now? Is she, or she, she does. A, okay. She, she functions and uh, she hasn't been able to work, but she functions. And you still, so one of the things you didn't mention is you still financially support her through this whole thing. And even yeah, we're, today, yeah, yeah, we're, we're separated, but I still pay for everything. And, um, you know, I'm not sure that every marriage needs to do that. I, I know that, uh, not every marriage can be saved, but in my situation, that's what I felt the Lord has led us to do. Well, I think your story is important because when we go back to your marriage commitment, it is my privilege to show my love for Jesus by caring for my wife, to love her, to show, uh, show her honor, try to understand her and give up my life and rights for her. I mean, there's some deep feeling behind that, right? I mean, that was forged out of great pain. That's exactly right. And there's deep theological truths behind that. Yes. Now, when your wife is uh, more normal or slightly wounded, women are designed by God to respond to that kind of man when they know that their husband really will give up his life for her, he really does want to love her well, try to understand her. What it, what it does in the heart of a woman is eventually she wants to then become all that God wants her to be. Yeah. And uh, I find that many women are just sitting on the sideline waiting for their husband to love them the way they long to be loved and how in their God-given design they were made to be loved. And once they do, then a woman begins to grow and develop in her own relationship with God. So, yes, many of our wives are wounded. Men are wounded, too. But uh, God gave us, the men, the responsibility to lead. And that means lead the way God wants us to lead. And when we begin to do that, then I think our, our wives are able to respond. Well, you know, it's interesting. We had an interview with a... Uh, Don Minter in episode 178, and he said there's a moment of revelation that comes to a man when he realizes the brokenness in his wife. And, and, and for me, over the last 10 years, I've started to uncover some of my wife's brokenness. She's a wonderful Christian woman. I mean, admired by many, respected by all. She's a woman that younger ladies want to emulate. But in our marriage, I realized I brought brokenness, but she brought brokenness. And once I realized that brokenness, I was able to love her in it and through it and beyond it. And so uh, there is there is something there that I really deeply appreciate. And, and as you wrote in your marriage commitment, it is a privilege to show yeah. my love for Jesus by caring for my wife. And you could put in parentheses in her brokenness, right? And I love yes, what you wrote in here. Her I, woundedness. I had to laugh. I had. I got to tell you, I had to laugh because you wrote in your marriage commitment and tried to understand her. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a theolo theological point too, right? <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. It's, it comes from First Peter three seven. Yeah. And now, gentlemen, we laugh about that, but I'm afraid. <laughs> 
the biblical truth is that God actually wants us to focus on this. And when we do, we become better men. Yep. And you know what? Um, I have son-in-laws now and I'm 62 and going to be 63 soon. And so I can go to my son-in-laws and I can sometimes explain to them or men, you can explain to your sons what's going on in mom's life or their, their daughters or in their future wives. I think this is one of the ways we help mentor the younger men. When we've come to understand how a woman is wired, this can actually be a part of how we mentor the younger men. Yeah. Otherwise, men just go off and they, they don't appreciate that God really made these women different for a purpose. And that purpose is to actually bring balance into our lives. You know, and one of the things, you know, we have we have a lot of women now that are undercover fans of our podcast because they've said to me, man, when I listen to Men in the Arena podcast, I'm finally understanding what is going on inside of my husband's brain. But I want to say this to the women who are listening. In no way, shape, or form right now are we saying women are weak uh, or, or we do we want women weak. In fact, one of the mantras that we have with the Men in the Arena is weak women are not allowed. We don't want weak women. Weak women hurt men, you know, weak women who spread their legs for anybody, weak women who who will do anything to be accepted. We want strong women. We want dynamic women. We want women who are passionately in love with Jesus because we believe that strong women forge strong men. And I know you agree with that as well. Yes, I would. Uh, in fact, uh, I was raised on a farm. My mom, she could run the farm. Yep. And I have uh, my daughters, and I raise them to be the president of any company they want to be in. And you are exactly uh, right. Uh, in this culture, to stand up for righteousness, whether you are a man or a woman, is going to take great courage, great strength. And uh, God has, yeah, I admire greatly the women of strength and courage. And, and my daughters are leaders. They are natural-born leaders. And uh, so, man, uh, women, we want you to grow into all that God wants you to be. And uh, that means courage and strength, spiritual backbone. Yep. Well, speaking of your daughters, on in book two, on page 74, you wrote about how to have a successful father-daughter or father-son time. And I, I also learned about this on our podcast, number 199 with Hal Perkins. He called it the weekly appointment. And I'll, I'll tell yes. you, I'll be honest with you, Lonnie. I did not officially do this with my kids. And I wish I would have had your information 20 years ago because I think that every dad needs to schedule a weekly meeting with their kids and, and spend time with that son or daughter understanding their soul. Now, you have five, oh, hold on a second, six, six. points mm -hmm. that you deal with when, when having this weekly meeting with your child. And I think they are so profound. Will you walk us through them? Well, there's actually a Bible verse behind each one of those. Ooh. But I think the first one, make it safe, is key. Men, if you have an anger problem, and uh, you blow up at your kids, guess what? You just trained your kids for them to not share what's really going on in their life. So you got to make it safe. I remember, you know, my daughter coming home and she was like me. She got speeding tickets. And I just <laughs> laughed with her and said, well, how are you going to pay for this? The anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. 
it never works. In fact, I go on in my book and say the anger man normally produces just the opposite of what we wanted it to. So, men, you've got to be safe and make it a system a situation where your children can tell you anything and you won't be angry. Now, when there is something that comes up and um, you do need to deal with it, what I normally did was go spend some time with Jesus first and pray about, now, Lord, my daughter or my son just told me something. We're going to need to talk about this. And go ask the Lord to give you wisdom about how to confront that. But the first, the first criteria for a successful time is make it safe. The second one is learn to ask questions. This comes from Proverbs 18, where it says, verse 13, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. Men, when you don't know what's really going on inside your child, and you start telling them what you think they should do, when you haven't asked any questions, that's foolishness. Shame on you. Shame on me. I've done it too. But uh, learn to ask questions. And what I found is that when I, when I make it safe and I start asking questions, I find out what's really going on inside that little brain of my children. And there's a lot going on. In fact, the world is training them. They're thinking about stuff. And so you get this started in the early years. And so when you get to the teenage years, they've got all kinds of stuff that they need to process with somebody. Make it mostly about them. Men, if you have a habit of doing all the talking, it's a bust. You really, if you're going to build into your children, you've got to uh, make it mostly about them. I want to add, Lonnie, this is the single most important thing that I would tell dads. Stop the lecture. Coming from a lecture dad, I'm a pastor, so I'm gifted in lecture, right? So my kids grew up with lectures, and I, I deeply regret that ask the questions, ask the questions, ask the questions. I can't overemphasize that enough. So what's the third thing in this process, Lonnie? Well, after make it mostly about them, then it's shut up and listen. <laughs> and the reason is Matthew 24, 30, uh, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Men, you need to figure this one out. <laughs> if you let your children talk, you will find out what's really going on in their life. If you don't let your kids talk, if you're not listening, you'll never know what's going on in their life. And pretty soon something explodes and you go, what happened? Mm. It's because you weren't listening. Now, once you figure out what's going on in their life, then the first thing you can do is you begin to pray for them. Now, I started this out and I, uh, I found that children will never turn down prayer if they know that the prayer is always going to be for them and about them and it's not done in a critical way. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, when I had father daughter time, I'd grab their little hand on the way home and I'd start praying and I'd start praying about everything that she had told me during our father daughter time. And I'd ask the Lord to help her in each one of these things. It was never preachy. It was never condemning. It was always praying, God, please help my daughter in each of these things. And then the last one is speak a building block of truth into their life. And men, these building blocks of truth will come from your quiet time. In fact, if your son or daughter has told you something that really concerns you, you go to God and you begin to ask the Lord about it. And the Lord can lead you to a principle from the scripture. And then in your next father-daughter time or father-son time, you can say, hey, son, daughter, I've been thinking about what you shared last time. And Here's one of the things the Lord has been teaching me, and you can share a biblical truth. Once again, not in a preachy or condemning way, but just in a way that says, hey, I'm safe 
for us to talk about these kinds of deep issues. That's good, man. So, so this, yeah, make ahead, it safe, you... learn to ask questions, make it mostly about them, shut up and listen, pray with them and speak a building block of truth into their life. Those are the six criteria. That is really good. And you know, one, one, father, son time. one of the things that Hal Perkins said, and it would probably fall with a, a number six, speak the building block of truth in their life. He would ask them this question. What do you think? I think. <laughs> so I thought, I thought that was interesting, and that gave him the opportunity to speak into their lives that building block, right? And so, very, very solid. Well, here, here's a question I have, Lana. You inspired a question. How old are your daughters? Well, they're in their thirties now. Okay, so so here's my question. So you've been faithful. You've done this father for you in your case father daughter meeting you've you've went through the yep. six steps make it safe learn to ask the questions uh, uh learn uh make it mostly about them shut up and listen pray with them speak building blocks of truth in their life so they're 30 in their 30s they're married they have their own children how has this father daughter time changed now that they're adults maybe a better question is how do you use these older principles in your current relationship with your adult daughters who are now mothers yeah, well, once they know that dad is safe and they can talk to him about anything, they come to you. And as they get older, just like us, the issues change. Yeah. So now they've got kids of their own. They're talking to me about their kids. They're talking to me about family finances. They're talking to me about car replacement. And so, yeah, once you establish these basic principles, um, you find that uh, they have new challenges in life as they get older. And uh, so, you know, the mistakes that I made, they can learn from my mistakes and they don't have to go through that. So, yeah, things change now that they're older. But you've opened up a door where they feel like, hey, dad is safe. Dad will always be safe. I can always ask dad questions. I know that when I call dad, it will be about us and not him. I know that dad will shut up and listen. I know that dad will pray with me. And I know that dad will offer some advice or wisdom when I do speak to him. So that continues throughout life. That's exactly right. And I think a good verse on this is Proverbs 14, 26. It says, a brother offended, but you can put in their child. A child offended is more unyielding than a fortified city. Once a brother, a child, a marriage gets deeply wounded, a fortified city is a city with walls. Yeah. And those walls go up. So that's why the number one criteria is make it safe. If you're not safe, then the walls go up, and those walls don't come down easily, even though they can't. And if you go and apologize to your children, why many times uh, they, they so long to have a relationship with dad, they will. But anyway, uh, if you're safe, uh, they will come. So a brother offended, a child offended is more unyielding than a fortified city. A city with walls, don't go there, men. Make it safe. And once that is established, they call you and say, Dad, I've got this you know, dad, can I talk to you about this? Man, that's, I, I really appreciate your wisdom and your insight and the application that you have in your books. And so, hey, Lonnie, how can our men in the arena pick up your resources and learn more about what you do? Yeah, go to everymanawarrior.com. That's where we sell our books. That's where we have our training videos and everything about us. Uh, you can hear, hear my testimony, the Everyman Warrior story. It talks about how God took me through this broken marriage in order to, uh, to write uh, on marriage, to write on raising children. Um, and so, yeah, everymanawarrior.com. We'd love to have you come visit our website. 
Man, thank you so much, Lonnie, for taking the time to share your wisdom, your experience, your pain, your vulnerability with the men in the arena, and, of course, for being a man in the arena yourself. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Jim, and it's been my privilege to be here, and uh, we appreciate you, and best of luck in all your endeavors, and uh, let's go help men everywhere. Walk with God, succeed in life, and then have a passion to help other men. Thank you so much, Jim. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, you're welcome, man. Hey, guys, you're, you're probably going, what's next? You've been talking about application. What's an action step that we can take because of what we've heard today? What will you do, guys, because of what you heard? So here we go. I'm going to do something different today, guys. I'm going to give you a choice uh, for your boots-on-the-ground moment. I'm going to let you pick one of two things. Here it is. The first one is this. Memorize the marriage commitment. You can pick up uh, Lonnie's Every Man of Warrior resources. Uh, we will post this on our weekly uh, blog, uh, our Equipping Blast for Men, and the, the memorize the quote and the commitment is, let me start that one over. We want you to mer- memorize the marriage commitment, and here it is. It is my privilege to show my love for Jesus by caring for my wife, to love her, show her honor, try to understand her, and to give up my life and rights for her. Or you can do this as your action step. Set up a weekly meeting with each of your children and go through the following six-step process. Make it safe. Learn to ask the questions. Make it mostly about them. Shut up and listen. Pray with them and speak building blocks of truth into their lives. We'll also post the Boots on the Ground action item in our weekly equipping blast. Subscribe to it by going to meninarena.org, and we'll send it along with an electronic version of our field guide, a 365-day bathroom book for men. We'll send that stuff to you guys, get you involved. Arena Men, you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. We've got some amazing resources to help you on your journey to become the best version. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Join the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum with men from around the world, thousands and thousands of those guys interacting daily about manhood, or sign up online to receive our weekly equipping blast for men. And as you heard, I will also send you a free version of my a free PDF version of the 365 day bathroom book for men. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game. Get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. In our passion to help all arena men, we're offering an excellent free resource when you visit our homepage at meninarena.org. Simply give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of Jim's book for men called The Field Guide, a bathroom book for men. It's a daily study of manly words in the Bible explained with great stories. Thank you for listening to this episode, the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, thank you for joining men in the arena from around the world who are becoming their best version. And remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.